You're out of your fucking mind. My crap screen made that play. Watch out! He's got get away from the top speed! Everybody just do your job! Let's get it! And overcome the adversity on the field! Get ready for the pain, boy! The pain pain is coming! Alright guys, this is College Fantasy Freaks, and we are done with week two. I got Josh here with me. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm, I'm great. Uh, Hurricane Irma's outside, so I'm uh, ready for that to pass, but uh, I think we, we had a pretty good week two, so uh, let's get talking about it. Yeah, week two was definitely better for me than week one, so things are on their up and up, so I'm happy about that. Um, how crazy is the weather by you? Uh, it's not so bad so far. I'm up in Gainesville. It's about 20 mile per hour winds outside, but... You know, in the next few hours, it'll get pretty dicey. All right, well, let's get this done before you lose your power and uh, we're stuck without a podcast for the week. (laughs) No way you like that. (laughs) All right, so we've got uh, basically the week wrap-up. One of the biggest scoring games in terms of fantasy, we hit uh, Louisville with UNC. Um, What do you want to touch on there, Josh? Well, I think uh, whoever took Lamar first in their draft with that number one pick felt pretty good about it. I mean, North Carolina has been notorious the last couple of years for having a terrible defense, but he put up some video game stats and returned to form from early last year where everybody thought he was going to get every owner a championship. Yeah, you know, with him, I was watching his points go higher and higher and higher, and I was thinking back to what I said in, I think, episode one, where I said, you know, you know, he's not going to be that guy getting you those 80-point games. I hope that's what I said, because he did put up a 75-point game. So I'm not wrong yet, but we'll see. Well, it's pretty close. So. <laughs> well, maybe next week. I mean, you never know. They, they do play Clemson, so I don't think it'll happen next week. But later on the road, they have some easier matchups. Um, an interesting development in their backfield is that they had an actual running back seem to step up. You know, pretty good game, 167 yards on 15 touches. Um, we don't know if he will be the starter going forward. Bonifon really struggled. That's the problem with Louisville. You know, they rotate those backs, and just when you think you have the guy who's the one to go, it changes the next game. So I'm always a little weary on Louisville backs. Um, And this one, you know, he had one good game against, as we know, not a great rush D. Um, And then what sucks for everyone trying to figure out who's the guy, of course, next week you're going up against Clemson. So their defense, which we'll get into in a little bit, looked absolutely amazing. Um, So we may not get any more information after this week. And, you know, I think he might be worth a, a flyer in free agency, but he's going to struggle next week, even if he's the main guy against Clemson, and he's probably going to get dropped. So you may want to wait a week on that and maybe two weeks because I don't I don't see him doing anything next week, so I think you should stay clear of him there. Yeah, I wouldn't waste um, a waiver. If you're gonna if you have the faith in him, grab him on free agency. Um, someone might grab him in waiver, but if they do, they're probably going to drop him after unless they have some good foresight. And, and with this offense next week, I think you should – Probably err on the side of caution. Caution. I, I mean, they have good receivers that should still put up decent enough points, maybe 15-point games from uh, Smith and Fitzpatrick. Maybe they get a long touchdown. I would feel not confident starting them because Clemson really showed out this week. Yeah, I mean, Auburn couldn't get anything in the passing game. I mean, the the biggest thing I think on this is that each week so far, um, Jalen Smith, as we knew, going into the season, he had had the top of the depth chart. He was going to be, quote-unquote, the guy. Uh, And Fitzpatrick was second. But it seems that um, even being second on this team, he's still getting some pretty fantasy-relevant points each week. So if you did draft him despite seeing him second on the draft chart, he's a real nice stash. Yeah, he he looked... 
solid in both weeks, and Jalen Smith not really so much on week one. So, I mean, he's more consistent, which Smith definitely had a better week last yeah. week. That would be nice if you own him because you got him later in the draft. Um, but I would I don't know how you feel about it, but I would be weary on starting Lamar. I think you might have a better option on your on your um, offense elsewhere. And I know we say start your your studs, but I I don't know. I don't have that confidence against that that Clemson defense. I think it, it's a hard start. Um, he did have games last year that you know he only put up fifteen or twenty points. So if I had a better option in theory, not a better player, but a better matchup, I probably would play him. Seeing what they did, I think they had eleven sacks this weekend against Auburn. Um, that just scares the hell out of me. Um, if they get Lamar's number, which we all know what his number is, it's just are you good enough to stop it, um, he's going to be in for a rough game. So if you have no one else, yeah, you're going to start Lamar if you have an even worse option b- besides that. Um, but hopefully at this point you've grabbed some free agencies, you may have drafted a good backup. Um, so I would definitely err on that side of caution and look for someone who may have a more favorable matchup there. And... Um... North Carolina's got a good matchup this week against Old Dominion, but uh, what what do you think? Do you think they bounce back and put up some decent stats? And I think they have anybody worth starting this week. Or? You know, I, I think with the, who they're matched up against, I think they're going to have a pretty good bounce back. You know, that that was a tough game. Um, I do think Michael Carter has a lot of potential, um, so he should get back on the board again. I don't think it's going to be, you know, video game style numbers, but he should be a good solid 15 to 20 points um, if he gets all the touches that he should. Um, you know, they've got um, Austin Prohl, who did well this past week, which is impressive, so he should do well even better this week. Um, it, it does make me a little nervous just in terms of how badly, um, you know, fantasy-wise they did. Um, but I, I think out of all of them, Prohl and Carter's going to be who I would lean towards. But Carter's still going to be up in the air. You know, he had a, a decent week one. Um, people got really high in him real quick after he had a couple of big plays. But then he got knocked back to reality this week. Um, so if you have him, I'd hold on to him, see how he does. I don't know if I'd play him unless I really didn't have any other better matchups. Um, but if you if he's in the free agency, I definitely think um, you know Michael Carter's someone I would be looking at. Yeah, that's crazy how many true freshman running backs everybody's eyeing this year. I don't think it's ever been a year like this. But, um, yeah, yeah I think Austin Cole might be a free agent in your league and one of the players that I think is worth the waiver pickup. Um, and I, I think the waiver wire is pretty weak this week, personally. Yeah. So true. I think that's a good option. And, and the fact that he plays Old Dominion next week makes me a little bit more confident in, the, in that claim. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I'm not... I, I see... Um, a few decent wide receivers to pull up in uh, waiver wire this week. Not too many, but a few. Um, and I know this is a not a real problem, but I'm looking at it. My, I've got my wide receivers locked in, ready to go. Short of one of them sitting out the game or getting injured this week, I'm not moving them. Yet there are some guys I do like, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, so it, it, I don't have the the benefit or the ability to really grab anyone this week. So I'll probably be sitting this waiver wire out. Yeah, we talk about wide receiver starting lineups. I start to get flustered and stuff, and my Chiefs start turning red, thinking of my wide receivers being at full strength this week and finally getting to start Anthony Miller. So you maybe we should go on the same team. Yeah, you and me both. And so whoever has Miller out there, Josh and I both took him in the first round of our drafts. Um, and not being able to play him week one due to the weather, and then week two, this game being canceled, I'm really looking forward to him coming back, and hopefully he's at 100% full speed. Um, so it would be very nice for anyone who has him to finally get your first or second rounder actually playing in a game this week. 
All right, so after that, we've got, uh, we went through Louisville and UNC. Why don't we touch on what I thought was, unfortunately for me, a pretty ugly game. Um, TCU handled Arky um, just extremely effectively. Um, I had Devwall Whaley starting, and with week one, I was a little nervous to do so, but it's Devwall Whaley. I thought, you know, Arkansas was really going to pound that ball, yet they just didn't seem to be able to do it. Um, Devois was completely ineffective. Chase Hayden, who had a great game the week before, was ineffective. Williams did pretty well. Um, but overall, from just an Arkansas game, it just wasn't them. Um, you know, so Whaley's on by this week, thankfully. Um, I'm probably still going to start him again week four. Um, what did you see on the, the TCU side of the ball? They definitely had a bit more uh, leverage on the game than Arkansas did. Yeah, and there was a few games this weekend where it just, on paper, it looked like this was going to be a high-scoring, all-over-the-place kind of game, and Arky kind of let us down there. Um, but between Kyle Hicks and Darius Anderson, uh, I don't know. that I, I'm really tempted to put in a claim for Anderson just because in that offense, Kenny Hill not, not doing too well this year, I think they'll have to run the ball more. And Anderson is really effective against Arkansas, and Arkansas isn't really known to have a great D, but I thought they should have improved this year. So it's really tough for me not to take a waiver claim. I think if he's there in free agency, if you pass on him on the waiver wire, you should definitely pick him up. I do think Kyle Hicks will more than likely bounce back. That's the but, thing. You know, he has been playing at not 100%, so this could be less of Anderson is really good and Hicks has regressed and more of he's just playing at 90%, and once he gets his legs under him again, uh, he's just going to get back to true form. So it's a it's a risk, but Anderson is good. There's no denying that. It's so hard. and like Every week it seems there's a backup running back that outperforms, so you've got to have to be like really steadfast to, to not pull the trigger on them and waste a pit. Um, but they played SME next week, so they, I, they might both be fantasy relevant. I wouldn't. I would be weary on starting either one of them, honestly, because Hicks has struggled last week, and we don't know what the um, the pecking order is going to be. So, but you know, that's the with SME though. Here. They might both get 15 plus touches. They really might. So it's not a bad play. I wouldn't say if anyone started one or the other, I wouldn't call it a bad play. I'd say you're taking a a gamble. But gambles pay off big or hurt you big, so I could absolutely understand why someone would. And then we have Penn State versus Pitt, which I thought was going to be a little bit more of a blowout. I was I was surprised mm-hmm. how Most people, Pitt State yeah. in there. Almost everyone did. That's what I was unable to watch that game. I kept checking it on my phone, and I kept hitting refresh, thinking, "No, this can't be right. This can't be right." Um, I know, especially a couple uh, Penn State fans you and I are friends with. They expected a. Uh, a large blowout a lot earlier in the game, and when that didn't happen, I couldn't help but chuckle a little bit. Yeah, of course. Uh, Quadri also now, he's uh, continuing that pit running back train. Uh, I, he's not outstanding, but he slides into that running back three roll pretty well around 20 points per game. Um, you know, he's getting, I think he got 22 carries against Penn State, which is quite a bit, and they're playing Oklahoma State next week. They slowed down Tulsa really well, and Brewers shine this week. They have like 267 yards. So maybe Oklahoma State's rush D is incredible, and you should stay away from Quadri Olson this week. But I think he's a pretty good play, personally. He might be he might be in free agency still, and I think you should put in a waiver claim for him if he's there because I think he's going to get those touches going forward. And even if you can't start him next week, I think you'll be able to start him in the future, and it's it's a pretty safe play at running back three. 
there are too many of those left on the board. Yeah, if, if he's in there, I would grab him. He's not available in my conferences. Um, you couldn't pay me to start him next week after seeing how Oklahoma State swallowed up D'Angelo Brewer, um, and then he absolutely exploded the next week. So there was no injury reports on Brewer. They, were, they gave him tons of rushes, and he just still couldn't do anything. Uh, so until we can see that someone can gash Oklahoma State wide open, I'm not going to trust someone like that. Um, but I do think he does have favorable matchups moving forward, especially against some weaker ACC uh, defenses. So if he is there, I would grab him for sure. Um, he's not in any of mine, so I don't have that luxury. Um, so, yeah, grab him if you can. All right, and then on the, the Penn State side of the ball, um, you know, one of the guys who is – we don't really see too many people running tight ends in our league because we don't have that specified tight end role. Um, but Mike Kosecki, he had a great game. Um, a couple of people I was speaking to prior to the game were saying, you know, should we play the tight end in that wide receiver spot? And he, he was a matchup nightmare. He is such a big player. It's really hard for those cornerbacks to really cover him properly when he's so big. Um, so he's a guy, even if you don't have a tight end role in your league, if he's available, I, I think I would grab him. He's going to have more good matchups like that. Um, and another person on that team who obviously we know, if you have him, you're going to start him every week. I play against him this week, uh, Saquon Barkley. Even when Penn State's offense isn't absolutely flying, he's putting up absolutely huge numbers. Um, he did amazing. Um, so the only one who I thought, you know, I was less than impressed with this week was Mr. Fantasy Heisman in your case, Josh. What do you think about McSorley? What happened? I He started out a lot better than Saquon. Saquon only had... I think the two fantasy points in the first half, but they got him more involved in the second half, and that offense didn't really produce much after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Saquon came on and he did pretty well. They had that; they hooked up on a touchdown together, which was pretty good to see. If you own both of them, you love that. I know Matt in our league is a Penn State fan. I both of them, but um, I'm still I, I'm fine with how McSoley did. He still had 26 points. It wasn't a bad game. I was right there with Saquon. I think they scored the same amount. Um, they played Georgia Southern this week, so they yeah, they, might not they played the same. They saying they scored the same amount is not really fair. One's a quarterback and one's a great running back, but to say, come on, you can't get twenty six from your quarterback. One, like, one is also that? typically regarded as the number one running back in the country. <laughs> so, I mean, McSorley's probably a fourth round draft pick in most cases, fourth or fifth round. So fair enough. But Mike Gesicki, I like a lot because most people don't have enough depth at wide receiver to feel confident in the wide receiver four. And that offense, they are designed to get Gusecki the ball in the passing game. So expecting a touchdown a week isn't going to be uncommon. I feel confident if you don't have enough um, consistent depth of wide receivers slide into that wide receiver four role, if you don't have a tight end. And if you have a tight end, he's not going to be there, so there's no point in discussing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have gotten in the draft very early without question. All right, next on to yeah, your we have, favorite player in the league. I got him. You know, I'm so happy that, you know, so far it seems that I was right. We got West Virginia versus ECU. Um, and after week one, sitting Greer cost me my win. I said, no matter what happens, I'm starting him. And he absolutely dominated. Um, he went right along with my boy Sills, who I said was going to be the guy from day one. Um, Crawford Amen. put up big numbers. I know, yeah, you got Sills. I was not lucky enough to get Sills in any of my leagues. Um, Sills did damage for me in Daily Fantasy, though. I was on over on Fan Picks, and I, uh, I cleaned up pretty well this week. Um, you know, what was the biggest... Not surprised, I guess the, the biggest development, though, I went in knowing Greer was going to do well. 
Um, I really thought Crawford was going to do well, so there was no surprise there. But now that um, Sims is back for West Virginia with the wide receivers, um, you know, we've got Karan White, Sims, Jennings, and now, um, and Sills on top of that, it was interesting to see Jennings had an explosive, crazy week one. How was the wide receiver game going to shake up week two? Um, and for me, personally, as of right now, I would consider Sills far and away the number one. Um, it looks like Sims and Jennings are um, fighting a little bit for that outside role, and White is pretty steadfast in where he's at. So it does look like Sims and Jennings, in my opinion, are going to cut into each other a little bit. So for everyone who you know threw a waiver at Jennings week one, he may not produce like that 30-point game every single week, but he should still always get some good points for you. Yeah, and I said last week that I thought Sills and White would be the most fantasy-relevant wide receivers in this offense, even after Jennings put up those video game stats. And it's clear that Sills is going to be the guy to me, but I still think that White is is going to put up some pretty good numbers. Sims and Jennings, I don't know. I would not feel confident starting them. They do play Delaware State this week, which helps. I mean, that's what, hey, how can you not? So That's what but, I'm thinking is right now in, you know, in our redraft league, um, I'm really confident in my four starting wide receivers. Um, my running backs, I don't have the best matchup, so I'm trying to think of who do I put where. Um, Sims might be someone I actually play in my flex, who I, I do not like playing wide receivers in my flex. But given this matchup, if they're not, they're going to repeat what they did last week, if not worse. I would be surprised if each uh, wide receiver doesn't get one uh, touchdown. With I think Sills getting maybe two or three, um, so he may be an easy one that you know. I know you're saying you're not confident in it, but I think that it's 15 points is going to be a pretty realistic floor. I think for Sims this week. Yeah, and you know if you got a wide receiver four, you're just looking for a spot start. Sims probably going to be available because he only had one catch last week, but he he'll, he'll be available more than likely as a free agent. So I wouldn't mind spot starting him there just on potential alone because he could put up two touchdowns easily against Delaware State. Yeah, they're not going to have the the depth at corner to cover any receiver really, but they're going to get his money wide open on the field. So who knows? He could have a crazy game. So I, I agree with you there. Yeah, it, it's a worth a shot. We'll see. You know, um, you know. With that said, then with wide, uh, West Virginia having such a good game, um, it's week two now, and I read a crazy stat today. Um, ECU has fired their defensive coordinator over the last two games. Guess how many yards their opponents have averaged in total office uh, offense against them? Well, West Virginia had had over six hundred, so probably around six hundred. Good guess, six hundred and sixteen yards they've averaged wow. with forty-five points against in both games. So now uh, Eastern Carolina has fired their defensive coordinator. Um, so it. I always think, you know, when you fire someone mid-season, it's rare for them to improve. So ECU might get even worse, which is hard to really put into words. Play whoever's playing against ECU. <laughs> exactly. You know, like we were saying, whoever's rushing against uh, Mizzou over there, it, it may be the same category here. And I wasn't high on Jimmy Williams going into the year, but and despite the fact that that offense looks as bad as an offense can look, he did produce a decent amount of points, and I wouldn't give up on him like, yet. I would feel confident starting him going forward because they have to move the ball somehow. 
See, it, it seemed to be the best option. I know a lot of people are high on Jimmy Williams. I liked him preseason. Here's my issue right now is that he did, produced this week, but if you look at how he produced, one of his receptions was 95 yards. So that's basically all of his points. Yeah, no. So, But that's one play. The week before, he got how many targets and couldn't. Um, and he was also going against a pretty lackluster West Virginia defense. Um, Big 12 defense, we know no one is really a big fan of that. Um, so all of his points came via one play. I would still, if you have him, I wouldn't get rid of him. Um, but I would still be a little wary, and I would not start him next week until you can see, can he actually be consistent? Or is he going to get me 17, 18 points one week, two points the next, two points the next, and then 25 the next? I'd always prefer a player to be a bit more consistent. Um, and based upon the fact that all of his points came off one big play, it makes me a little nervous. And on to our next game. We had Tennessee play Indiana State, which you'd expect them to put up some really good stats and help you get the W. But if you thought they were going to do that, they probably didn't help you out. Uh, Marquez Callaway, everybody was excited about him after Juwan Jennings went down against Georgia Tech, and he put up, I think he had four receptions, 112 yards, and two touchdowns. So really good stats and replacing Jennings in that offense, but didn't do anything against Indiana State. Uh, John Kelly didn't really look that great this week against Indiana State. I, I I like John Kelly a lot, and I think he's a really good running back, so I wouldn't worry about that too much. This week I would worry about it because they play Florida, who's going to have a really good defense, and I don't think this game's going to be high scoring at all. I would sit everybody on the Tennessee roster, but after this week... Um, be pretty confident in John Kelly. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be good. Um, one of the interesting things to question about Kelly um, is I think he has the, you know play ba- playmaking ability, excuse me, um, and he can score some big points for you. Um, but as of right now, with the data set we have, is he as good as we think he is, or is Georgia Tech's defense just that bad? And that's I think it's a combination question. of both. And <laughs> I don't think he's going to score forty-five ever again. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, when I was eyeing him, I thought he would put up 20 a game and get consistently 16 to 20 carries, push 100 yards a week. And I think after this week, you'll see more of that when they start playing Kentucky and maybe maybe against Vanderbilt, he can do pretty well too. But I do not like it against Florida this week. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Florida, they, they always have a tough defense. I mean, it, they obviously do not have an offense, so... Um, I'm going to bring it up again. I know it's, uh, they didn't play this week, so we don't have any more information on it, but you predicting them to have a top 30 offense at the end of the season is not <laughs> going to be correct. Just absolutely not. They, they, I mean, I'm they're going down on this train until the very end. You can go it down is, on it. It is the train from hell. Against FSU, I'll have us scoring 150 points just for me. <laughs> um, but, you know, like last when they played Michigan, all of their points, what, except three, came off defensive score. Um, so it's, I'm, I don't think when you say gonna... all of their points, it sounds like a lot more than 17. So I might yeah, use that. I'll give you that. You know, I'm trying to help you out here. You know, you're <laughs> my buddy. I'm trying not to make you feel too bad. You are a Gator fan, but it's, uh, you know, so I'm not, I'm just not expecting this game to be much. I think the Florida offense is anemic and I think Tennessee is just absolutely horrific. Um, so just, it, just to poke at you a little bit more, Florida has actually scored almost two and a half times as many points as FSU this season. So just want to go. Yeah, ahead. but you know, Florida State has played one more Alabama than Florida, so that is a sticking we'll point. Like the SEC championship, hopefully. But on to Auburn and Clemson. Um, this game, I, I was looking forward to because Cam Bradway should have shined out, and I had him wasn't able to start him week one because he got suspended. I actually did start him and he got me zero, but he um. He got a lot of touches, which I think everybody expected, but Clemson's D looked 
why did they give up 150 yards? They looked incredible. Um, it was something to watch just because you'd see Cam Hayway running up the middle for three yards every time, and he was lucky to get that because they were stuffing every hole. Yeah, and, if, if um, you looked at, if you watched the game, I, I know you were you were watching it. Um, the one thing that I had an issue with with Petway was when he got the ball. I don't think I've ever noticed this from a running back before. He's, he literally looked slow. Um, he's kind of like a little you know um, battering ram, is that he hits and goes down. And even if he was to break away from someone, I don't think he's going to be the kind of guy this year. I know he's had some good runs, but unless they're playing a, a really bad defense, I know I, it's probably more that Clemson's defense is that good. Um, he just couldn't find any holes. Um, but he just actually physically looked slow. So I don't know if he was still a little rusty from taking that week off or what. Um, but I wasn't impressed with him. But we'll find out what the truth is when Clemson plays Louisville next week. Well, Petway is a converted fullback, so I, um, that's what you're going to get out of him. But he, he had some decent runs where he found holes. He's never going to be the type that is uh, even close to being a risk to break a 70-yard run. But I, he's not going to do as bad as he did this game against Clemson. He'll get 10-yard carries relatively frequently enough to put up some decent yards like he did last year. But I know you were high on Jared Sidham, as was almost the entire country. Yeah, I dropped him and, right off my roster. That was bad. I mean, I'm a Florida fan, you know. I, I am an expert in horrible passing attacks, and that was as bad as I've seen. And people started Auburn wide receivers. I feel bad for them because they could not do anything. It was, and, and Stidham looks like he drops back in the pocket 10 yards every time. It's, he was sacked 11 times. I mean, I, I I've never seen a quarterback go that far behind the line so that even once he's started to get ready to throw, if he had to scramble, even if he was like, yeah, I'm going to rush 10, 15 yards, he was back at the line of scrimmage. He couldn't get... I, I don't understand what they're they're doing over there trying to say, yeah, snap the ball and then run back 20 yards and see where you're at and see what you can get, uh, you know, have going for you. Um, they're going to have to figure something out there quick. I dropped um, Stidham, and I would suggest everyone else does as well. I don't think Auburn is going to be able to fix their offensive woes this year any better than they could last year. And, and Auburn looked pretty good on defense, too. Louisville looked decent on defense against North Carolina, decent enough. I think, uh, personally, I would sit every Clemson player across the board this week. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, you know, I was playing against Deion Kane, and b- before the game started, I was thinking, man, I'm pegging him for 20, 25 points, and then he, he just... There was one potential big play where they had um, defensive uh, pass interference, which he should have had the ball but wasn't able to get it. Other than that, though, they weren't able to do anything. I think that may have been more the offensive play calling. They got a little bit of a lead. Um, you know, they didn't want to squander that, so they got a lot more conservative um, for this kind of week. I'm not sure. I think they'll, they're going to be way more successful. They're going to put up more points than they did versus Auburn. But it, I don't think it's going to be a barn burner either. Um, you know, I think they might be able to get 15 out of some of their guys, but that's going to be really it. So you think Sid Bryant and Feaster and Renfro and start Kane? I, if I had Kane, I would probably start him. Yeah, I, I probably would just because I, I don't think Louisville's all that good. I don't think they're bad by any means. Um, but I don't think their defense is strong enough. Once... You know, uh, Clemson's offense gets rolling. If it gets rolling, Kane's going to crush it. Uh, Deion Kane, excuse me, he's going to crush it. Um, but it, that's if it happens. So it would depend on my, my depth. If you have not much depth behind Kane, I'd say go for it. You've got really little to lose there. Um, if you've got another guy who has a favorable matchup, yeah, it's probably, again, worth those things. See how dependable he can be before going all in on him. 
And then this next game might have been, I mean, I guess it had to be the game of the week. Um, Oklahoma versus Ohio State, they really, Oklahoma, it was tight to begin with, and then they just pulled away hard. Um, and that was with losing their number one offensive playmaker. Um, you know, what do you think there? Is, is Ohio State kind of in the same position they were last year in terms of fantasy relevance? JT Barrett is not a good quarterback. <laughs> I think most agree with you right now. He has regressed he can, harder he can than any quarterback to show it whenever they need him to step up. I don't think they're running him enough, which is his only real strength, and it would take pressure off of him in the passing game. And until they do that, I don't really think that – until they show that they're committed to running him, I don't think that you should start anybody in that offense outside of J.K. Dobbins and um, Paris Campbell because I think Paris Campbell gets enough – enough off- options in the running games where there's going to be weeks when he puts up some really good stats and he breaks up really good runs, and they're going to, they're going to design the offense to get him the ball. Um, but next week they play Army. Barrett should bounce back. I wouldn't start him personally. Um, their receivers outside of Campbell, which he's an H-back technically, I guess, so he's not even a receiver, not going to be consistent enough because Barrett's not going to be able to get them the ball frequently enough to – be confident in starting them. But Dobbins looks really good last week. They didn't get him enough touches, but That's Mike Wells, he injured his hand, he said, after the game. So he might be out. Dobbins might be the bell cow again. Um, I would definitely feel confident starting Dobbins. I would feel confident starting him. I mean, the, the Army defense is not bad by any means. So they are going to do no. their best to... Um, you know, if I was the defensive coordinator for Army, what I would say is, you know, how what's the, the way to beat Ohio State? It's force him to throw. Um, make Barrett throw downfield, which we know at this point he just doesn't seem to be good at doing. So if you stack the box uh, against Barrett, you also in, then stack it against Dobbins. Um, I do think Dobbins is going to be good enough to get his points no matter how many guys they stack in there. Um, but hopefully for all you Dobbins owners, they do completely. Weber does not come back. And if he's going to get 25 carries, yeah, he's going to get you the points you need. You sitting Barrett? It, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I didn't draft Barrett this year for you know that reason. I was the, I played against Barrett week one, and at halftime I was saying I'm a genius. Um, I was texting the guy I was playing because he had Barrett, and I said I told you, you know, you shouldn't have started. Him. And then he just exploded. So um, you know. Ohio State's Ohio State. They can do anything at any time. Um, but if I had him, I probably would also have a pretty decent backup. So, yeah, I would be sitting Barrett um, just in case. And then on uh, o- Oklahoma side, I mean, Mayfield is – talk about leading the Heisman race at this point, I would say. Um, I know a lot of people love Darnold, but uh, Mayfield just looked absolutely incredible. Um, the hard part right now is, you know, a lot of us thought that he'd have a lead wide receiver, someone his go-to – um, but in the wide receiver position, he just doesn't really seem to have it. Um, the running back is an interesting situation because, you know, Abdul Adams was looking good. He had that fumble. They sat him the rest of the game. Um, and surprisingly, Trey Sermon actually ended up with 17 carries leading the pack, um, and he looked really good. Um, you know, what do you think? How, do either of those positions, do you like Sermon? Do you like any of the wide receivers? What do you think in there? So, so Trey Sermon, another true freshman running back, stepping up. Um, I thought he, he looked really impressive. Um, I'm glad I didn't get myself into the Oklahoma running back situation in the draft so they don't have to really worry about this. But I I did put in a waiver claim for Trey Sermon, actually. When was this, last I'm, week? My only claim is for Trey Sermon ah. because I, I think – 
they had Samaj P. Ryan. I think it's worth it a couple of years ago. Lincoln Riley's known to do that. So, But you never know. They have Sutton, they have Adams, and they have Anderson. Any of them could really step up and be the guy, or they could continue to spread it out pretty evenly. I'm not confident anyway, but I like what Trey Sermon showed. He did. You know, what was interesting to me was that they actually had another running back score some decent points, and that was Flowers, who ended up catching more receptions than any of the wide receivers that I could tell. Um, so it's interesting to see, you know, what Lincoln Riley is actually going to do going forward with here. Um, and his cupboard is completely full. It is not one of those situations where, you know, a coach takes over and your cupboard is bare and you don't know what to do and it takes three or four years to get back to it. He has the the, the great situation where if a guy goes down or, or a guy fumbles, he's able to put him on the bench and put someone in who's just as good or potentially better. Um, so I am wary of the Oklahoma players just because they do have so many playmakers. If you have a guy like Abdul Adams, who's a very good player, and then he makes a singular fumble, he's done for the game. Whereas on a lot of other teams, you know, if Royce Freeman fumbles, the next uh, player may get a couple of reps, but you know Freeman's going back in. In this situation, you may get the lead guy, and he may not be the lead guy next week. And do you think, do you have a claim for him, or do you think free agency, or you know, not look at all? I'm with the way my team is right now. If if he's there on free agency, I'm going to grab him. I'll I'll be straight up. If he's there, I'm going to grab him. I'm pretty low on the waiver wire order right now. I think I'm ten out of fourteen. Um, I'd like to get that back up a little bit just in case some of my guys get injured. So I don't think I'm going to be throwing a waiver on him. Um, but if he is there, I will let someone go. Um, who I, I would have a hard decision right now in who I would let go. But yeah, if he's there, I'm taking him. Gotcha. And uh, we had guys kind of be pretty good last week. He had he only played a half. But, yeah, big surprise. The, yeah, surprise. Nope. They didn't play any competition. But I thought he showed he was himself. And uh, going forward, that's what you expect out of him. He's going to be I, – I think I, at this point, can say that I was wrong in putting him over Saquon. Saquon has looked better this year. Absolutely, we'll see yeah. He puts out. Well, that, you know, it's all going to matter when they get into conference play. That's where it's really going to shake up. Um, I think Saquon absolutely looks better. I was in the same role as you, as you know. I had a, a Geis a little bit higher. Um, but with the new offensive coordinator, it's so hard to tell. Um, with, with Penn State, with Barkley, you know, they had the, the same offensive coordinator as last year, so it's a little easier. So Geis may turn it on quick. You never know. I, th- I think that conference play is going to be the big determining factor of it'll be tell us very quickly. And Darrell Williams did get some touches. I know me and Kirby have talked about how he might um, get enough touches to where you could consider spot starting him, and I think this is the week where I said definitely stop spot starting him. And he didn't really do anything. I think he had 12 carries, but he didn't really show out on them. Um, I ended up dropping him from my roster, and I think people should put him on the watch list. Um, maybe keep him there if you if you want. If you have guys, keep him on your roster maybe. Um, the only other fantasy relevant player on that team, though, I think is DJ Sharp, who had a decent game, and I think he's a quality receiver, and Matt Canada wants to get him the ball in the passing game because he's their best playmaker there, and I think he'll continue to get looks, and he could step up his play later in the year, and Mississippi State isn't going to have a great game. They seem to be better, but I think it's a good play this week. He might be a pre-agency, so if he's there, pick him up and feel pretty confident in starting him. Yeah, you know, considering that they're going to be playing Mississippi State, it brings me to Fitz, and that that would be a scary start for me. LSU's defense does look pretty good this year. Um, Fitz may not be putting up huge numbers this this week. 
I, I haven't been dynasty and I sat him for flowers. Um, but I, I, Fitz could show out, but the LSU has looked pretty good on defense. They shut BYU out. BYU is pretty terrible, but yeah, you know, you never know. It's Fitzgerald. He's going to have to score points because they're going to be trailing in the game. Who knows? I wouldn't feel confident starting him. Agreed. Yeah, it, it'll be an interesting game. I, I do think LSU is going to roll pretty hard there. Um, they may not win by a lot of points, but I think they're going to control that game start to finish. And I'm going to give you some some a little bit of trouble over the next game, Ole Miss versus Tennessee Martin. Like I said in the in the preseason show, you had Shea Patterson way too low. Yeah, um, I'm I'm for right now, just like you're hedging your bet on uh, Florida with your offense. I'm still going to say let's wait until we get against some actual defenses, not Tennessee Martin, before we crown him the fantasy god. You know, I can't wait for that. I I honestly am looking forward to that because he hasn't been allowed to run the ball at all. He averaged seven yards of carry when he was running it last year. He has he's got like six rushes this year. He hasn't run the ball at all. And when he starts to do that, it's going to open up that passing game even more. So I'm really excited to see them against not Alabama, maybe. Maybe not LSU, but against Auburn. Really good defenses. I think he could really shine in the, in the running game, too. Um, A.J. Brown, we weren't sure who was going to be the main guy. He definitely the is the main guy. wasn't sure last week. But I think after this, this week, you can say that A.J. Brown is, is the top guy for sure. And Demarcus Lash and DK Metcalf are good enough, and they're going to get to the ball enough. They're going to throw if they throw for 500 yards a game. Of course, they're going to have multiple receivers that are worth taking. But 350, 400 yards a game, which is what I think will be more of the norm. They'll still put up good enough stats to warrant some starts here and there. And next week they play Cal, and on paper this game. And I know we said last week South Carolina Missouri on paper looked like a high scoring game, but this game Cal versus Ole Miss, where neither team has a defense, and they are both really prolific offenses. I don't know how they don't put up at least 40 points each, maybe higher. So I'm starting as many of their wide receivers as you can, honestly. Yeah, you know, that was like me in uh, Daily Fantasy this week. Um, you know, I, I played A.J. Brown fan picks at A.J. Brown at $3,000. He's so underpriced, it was crazy. Um, so I, I'm liking their wide receivers. You can't not like A.J. Brown right now. Um, I was a little pissed in our league. I was, uh, wasn't was home for uh, a night or two, so I kept d- debating, going back and forth. You know, I wasn't sure on one of my players. I kept looking at DeMarcus Lodge, and I was about to grab him, and I went into fan tracks, and I realized about three hours earlier someone had actually grabbed him. Um, oh, so I was yeah. a little pissed. I was hoping I could get any piece of that old Miss, miss offense I could since I misread it so much. Um, but maybe someone drops him. You never know. Um, but, you know, he, he the thing I like about Lodge is that he is getting those red zone reads. So he's able to, you know, pull in those touchdowns for you. He's probably not going to get a lot of uh, yardage, but touchdowns are really what matters. So it'll be interesting to see how much Ole Miss is able to score next week. And I, I know it's, you know, it's Tennessee Martin, so not a lot of people probably watch this game, but I did. He got targeted more than you'd think. So I think he may be their second wide receiver above DK Metcalf, honestly. See, now you, so could, you he, could put it that he's way. He's going to be a free agent, maybe? You said some leagues. No, some leagues. you got to argue this. Hold on, hold on. You said he got targeted a lot more, but it wasn't good competition. So what was the – I didn't watch the game. If he's getting targeted a lot but didn't get a ton of catches against inferior defenses, what's going to happen when he plays a real defense? Well, Shane was, was off in the first quarter, and I think that had more to do with it than anything. Okay. It wasn't so much his fault, but Shea was a little, which surprised me. Second quarter on, he, like, poured it on, but he, he started out a little rough. 
Okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll see. I, like I said, I, I hope for your sake they do well. Um, if come conference play he, they keep it turned on, I'll be the first one to say I was wrong. All right, and where somewhere I was right, which I, you know I love to hear, um, Wisconsin played FAU, and FAU has, I think right now, the worst rush defense in through two weeks as uh, anyone. Um, and all week long, you know, we heard that Bradrick Shaw hurt his right leg. He was questionable. So I had grabbed Jonathan Taylor a couple of weeks ago now. It was a while ago. Um, and I'd just been riding him and seeing hopefully he's able to... Oh, it was right before the first game, so two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I grabbed him right before, and it was the hopes that, you know, maybe he might be able to shake out with the lead back. Um, and with Shaw out, Jonathan Taylor, man, he put up close to 50 points for me as a running back. I think it was 223 yards, three touchdowns, a 64-yard. It was basically his first touch of the game, went for 64-yard touchdown. Um, so he had an amazing game, helped, you know, kept me in my game big time, brought me to a big win. Um, and the thing right now that I'm looking at, I want to start him. I know BYU is a good defense. Um, in theory, it's BYU. We still don't know too much about them, but LSU was able to run all over them. Um, with Shaw, if he's still out, I'm starting Taylor no matter what. If Shaw is back in, I might still start Taylor solely because how effective is he going to be after coming out for a week? I'm not sure. Chris James did have a decent game with over 100 yards, but no touchdowns. I'm, I'm hoping Shaw is out. I've got a big game against this week against a pretty hard opponent. So if Shaw is out, he is a, a must start for me in there as well as daily fantasy. What about you? So if all three backs are there, I you almost have to start Jonathan Taylor at this point because of what he just did. Um, but it's in two very good you, games. If Shaw is there... I would struggle, but you got to put him on the bench, I think. And if Shaw's out, I you have to start him, but I would not expect anything close to what he did last week. I think oh, yeah. 20, 25 points is reason to expect. Which, that, that would be fine. You know, yeah, you're not going to expect yeah. a 48.3 or whatever game it was every single week. I mean, 223 yards is astronomical for anyone, let alone to be able to do it two weeks in a row. Um, but this Wisconsin offense, they can't do anything but run the ball. Right. They so have no other... I can see why people think like they're going to have to run the ball, so they're going to have to get the yard somehow. But this matchup, I don't know. My fear there is, and that's my fear, is that if you know BYU knows this, which they're watching the tape, they know. Um, you looked at Utah play last night, um, and the week before, Utah was able to run it all over the place. They were not very effective running it. Um, so if they were able to contain them, obviously I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a heck of a lot better running back than Moss is. Um, but it does give me some concern there, without question. It does make me question it a little bit, but it is one of those guys that how do you sit someone after that? It would be like sitting Sutton after he got eight bajillion points against me. Yeah. You can't do it. So it, it all depends on Shaw. I, I agree with you there. And uh, the next game, Stanford versus USC, was one of my favorite from a fantasy perspective this week. Um, I had a few players going from this. Bryce Love continued to be himself. I think he had 17 carries for 160 yards, so still above that seven yards per carry that I made a big deal about in the preseason. Absolutely. By a long shot. Um, they play San Diego State. Um, you got to start him and expect 30, 35 next week, I'd imagine. Um, some people are going to be tempted to start Cameron Scarlett. I will warn you not to. He could score two, three touchdowns, maybe. But it is not worth it. He didn't do anything this week. And I don't know how you feel. I know you were higher on Scarlet, but what, what do you think about that? I wasn't higher on Scarlet as like an every week kind of starter. I was high on him in but terms of... This week the week that you would start, right? 
Well, that, and that's the thing in terms of, well, not against like USC. I was, like, when I played him, I, I was one of the only ones in any of the leagues I was in in daily stuff to throw Scarlet in. And that was the reason I took first in all the, those tickets was because he put up crazy numbers. And the reason I did it was solely because I knew Love was going to get his. And then playing such a weak opponent in Rice, Scarlet's probably going to get his. You know, we keep talking about these freshman running backs who are taking over due to injury and doing well. That's the only game plan I was playing. And it, it was a risk. Yeah. It absolutely was, but it paid off. Um, so with a weaker opponent this week, it may be a replay of Rice. So I, I wouldn't start him in terms of on my league. I might throw a few tickets on him with Daly, though, just because if he goes off, it's going to be a lot of points. Uh, fair enough, and I know we both we both said that Stephen Carr could outproduce Ronald Jones in some games, and Ronald Jones was great the week before, but last week Stephen Carr actually outrushed him. And I can't believe they're that. not getting Carr more rushes already. I you know he's he's yeah. outrushing, he's you know he's leading, but to me Ronald Jones is a very good back. There's no doubt about it. Any team out there, maybe short of Alabama, would be lucky to have him. Carr is so good; they're going to have to start giving him more touches without question. It's crazy. I not too many bat, not too many teams have as many has have two good backs as they do. Um, and this is a situation that I thought earlier in the year. You know, you got Ronald Jones, you're gonna feel confident in him, and then Stephen Carr is gonna go and take some of his spotlight away. But at the the wide receiver position, Deontay Burnett has shown that he's gonna be a top receiver in the country. Stephen Mitchell coming back from injury actually did really well. He did very I thought well. he would. Yeah, I thought. I thought Vonza Green would step into that wide receiver two role pretty comfortably, but Mitchell showed that it's his that's his role. And he had four catches, ninety-two yards, two touchdowns, really solid game, and I think he's probably gonna be on waivers. He'll probably get taken. If you're weak at wide receiver, I would I, I would use a claim on him. Um, if you're not weak, he'll fall into free agency in some leagues and take him then for sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, obviously seeing Green and Vaughn's let a lot of people down. Um, but at this point, if you have a piece of Carr, a piece of Jones, or a piece of Burnett, um, or Darnold, obviously, you're doing pretty well there. That's There's a lot of fantasy guys on that team, so you get one of any of those four, you're doing well. And how many points do you think they'll score against Texas this week? Oh, my gosh. Uh, what I know, I hit you up last night, was it? What did I say? I, th- I think Burnett might put up 60 himself, uh, you know, against oh, oh. Texas. It is just going to be a, um, a massacre. Um, oh, and that's going to be, gonna be Those most... defenses are going to get worked over. It's going to be If I had Carr and Jones, I'd start them both next week. Yeah, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't be hurt doing that. No. All right, and then we got one more here, um, which hurt my heart a little bit. We got I mean, Calvers Weber. I grabbed Bowers on the waiver wire. I wanted another uh, quarterback option when I dropped Stidham, and Bowers just went from uh, you know a, a incredible game to absolutely horrific. Um, what do you think happened there? You know, I didn't watch this game because Calvers Weber. Um, Truth. I wasn't as high on Bowers just because. That Cal offense has been inconsistent in the past. Now, to be, to be fair, the only reason I did it was because Will Greer has a bye week five, and Bowers yeah. plays Oregon, I believe it is. So I wanted that matchup. And, and now I think Oregon's defense has six interceptions in the first game, so maybe revisit that. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to, without question. For sure. But even then, I, I can't imagine him scoring as little as he did this game. I thought you might get regression maybe 25 points. Thirty to where he's still a serviceable quarterback, and the offense looked pretty well. But this week, I don't know. It's weather. I don't understand it. 
I mean, nothing makes sense about this. Uh, yeah, um, at all. So I think he'll bounce back. I, if you have him, I wouldn't necessarily drop him at this point. I would wait another week. They play Ole Miss, so you have an option to see if he's going. If he doesn't do it against Ole Miss, I don't think it's going to happen very often. So if he, if he doesn't do it this week, drop him. But I would hold on to him and see how he does this week. On paper, they should be able to move the ball really efficiently through the air. So we'll see. That, that's exactly the game plan I have is that, you know, I'd like to not get rid of him. Um, so I'm going to have a wait-and-see approach. I have the benefit of not needing him until week five. Um, so I'm going to see what happens. If he absolutely bombs, I'm going to have to use some sort of sleeper quarterback who I haven't determined yet, and I'll have to look for the best possible matchup um, and, you know, grab someone early. That way they're still, um, you know, they're available. So hopefully someone that is not that great of a quarterback but is going to have a, a good enough matchup to get me 30-ish points and keep me within my, you know, my week five game. I think Felipe Franks might um, be in free agency, so. Not happening. Not happening. Nope. But uh, Patrick Laird, I don't know where he came from, but <laughs> 200 yards and three touchdowns. He moved from wide receiver to running back. God. He, I think everybody in every league is going to put a claim in him, so I don't even know why I need to mention it. But hopefully you got the number one spot on waiver wire and you can grab him. You know, it's so interesting. Is I wonder if this is going to be like a, a Vic Wharton kind of thing where week one goes absolutely bonkers, week two, not that great, and then, you know, we'll see what happens from here. Um, everyone I've spoken to is really, really high on Patrick, um, but I, I don't know if he's got the consistency yet. Obviously, because he's a running back who is uh, wide receiver eligible in fan tracks, he's got that amazing value if he's there. Um, in our leagues, he will be switched to only a running back because of the fact he's a running back on the depth chart and on the roster. Um, but if you can have a 200-yard-per-game running back who's actually listed as wide receiver in your league, by all means, you need to grab him, and you need to grab him quick. And you have to grab him. You have to put a claim in. But I share the same thing with you. I, I Maybe a 20 25% chance he's consistent in fantasy to the point where you're going to be comfortable starting him. Yeah, but put up 200 yards and three touchdowns. Everybody has to take a shot, in my opinion. Absolutely. All right, so that is our matchups for the week. Um, why don't we look through some other uh, waiver wire hits that we might be we haven't touched on yet? Um, that you know might be a good idea, maybe for myself included. At this point, for quarterback, we'll start there. Um, Ryan Finley from NC State. They're looking better offensively than I expected this year. Um, I know a lot of people were high in them preseason. Kirby said they're going to have the best defense in the ACC, which Clemson and Florida State don't agree. Um, but next week he plays Furman, so. Uh, I mean, right now he's got a 74% completion rate. So against Furman, that's going to stay as good or get better. Um, and he's definitely going to be good for uh, quite a few touchdowns. So if you're looking for a, a quarterback this week or maybe some future um, down weeks, he's definitely someone I'd look into. Yeah, I hope they're able to keep this up in the passing game and get, get fantasy-relevant receivers to look at. But next week, if nothing else, a spot start. And I think he'll. There's a good chance he'll be in free agency, honestly. So you might not even have to waste a waiver wire to claim on it. Big time, yeah. I don't think too many people are going to be grabbing quarterbacks this week. Um, so he is one that if you can get him on free agency and you're weak, absolutely. If you really are nervous, you can burn a waiver a waiver on him. I probably wouldn't because, like Josh said, he probably will still be there. I don't think too many people are going to be grabbing anything but wide receivers or running backs this week. And we have. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Brian Lewerke, I haven't watched Michigan State, so I couldn't tell you. I think that's um, it. I think you got it. His stats are respectable, running the ball on the ground. You know, you don't expect this out of a Michigan State quarterback, but 
the schedule is not the easiest in the world. So yeah, it looks rough coming up. I, I don't think I would take him, but he does seem to be a good quarterback. Okay, and in running backs, I would actually put in a, a waiver claim for Tario Fuller. Markel Jones is injured, and he should be out for a while. They play Missouri this week, so they're weak on defense. You have a good matchup. I think the coaches trust Tario Fuller. They've said that he's he's good at everything. So he only missed one block last week, which is really good. Um, I think they're going to put him in a position where they trust him. They're going to use him in the passing game more. He had 147 yards. I think that you put in a claim just because Marco Jones got injured. They do have a lot of running backs that they like to use, but I think they're going to go with him going forward. Yeah, um, you know, I I, am, I had him on my, my roster, and I dumped him, and week one was bad. Um, but like Josh said, that matchup is just great, and this is another, um, the second firing of the season already. Missouri actually just fired their defensive coordinator as of today as well. Um, so just like I said with ECU, it is rare to see a firing happen where all of a sudden teams or, you know, parts of a team start all of a sudden playing better. So I think Mizzou might actually be worse on defense this week and the upcoming weeks, which means yet again, if you have any players playing Mizzou, start them. Um, up next we have, you know, Dom Williams out of Kansas. They do not normally have too many fantasy-relevant um backs or players at all. Um, but this guy does appear to be the main running back at Kansas. He had 18 rushes this past week, um, and he's got a really favorable schedule coming up. Um, he plays Ohio, which is the 81st um, rushing defense, West Virginia, which is the 99th, and Texas Tech, which surprisingly or not through this part of the season, they are currently 24th on rush D, um, but it's Texas Tech. So you may as well put him at 99th or worst. Um, for the year. So, I mean, he has three really good matchups. If he's going to keep getting 18-plus um, rushes, Sims is injured, so their passing game isn't quite what it can be. I think they're going to still be leaning on him more. So I think he does have a really good matchup this week. He's a pretty good spot start. Um, and then if you are weak at the running back position, he's got three, in my opinion, great weeks coming up. Um, Kansas does like to give teams a bit of a fits when they should kill Kansas Somehow Kansas, you know, puts up a fight. So against West Virginia, who I think is a pretty weak defense, they might be able to do some damage there and put up some points. So I have two main thoughts on him. One, he's another freshman running back. Two, I hate Kansas running backs typically, but I did take a long look at him and to see if I wanted to pick him up as a free agent. And I don't have very many roster spots, so that was surprising for me that I was actually researching a Kansas running back mainly because of the schedule, like you said. He did get 18 carries. I don't think they have anybody as talented on their roster, so I think he'll have to be the guy that gets the bulk of the carries. And as long as Sims is out, I think they have to lean on him. So I would give him a look for that that reason Absolutely. alone. And he seems talented enough to where where it's actually because he's so good. Yeah, and you know, Kansas doesn't normally get those guys, but you know, every once in a while there is that you know the diamond in the rough. So he may be it. Um, I, I've considered grabbing him. He may be a guy who drops onto that free agency list. Um, Fuller looks nice. Williams looks nice. 
One other guy who I, I think has a good matchup this week and is definitely worth a shot is uh, Ty Isaac from Michigan, who um, I'm not big on Michigan backs, um, but his carries increased from week one to week two from 11 to 20, um, and he put a hurting on Cincinnati. He scored some good points, uh, 133 yards, uh, and he's got Air Force next week. Um, so it's not someone a team I like to mess with usually just because of how much they rotate their backs. But it does look, in my opinion, like they're starting to you know focus in on him, and he may start getting the the nod going forward. I like this a lot, and mostly because most running backs really struggle against Florida unless they're really good, like the Dalvin Cooks of the world. And he did; he had like ten yards per carry against Florida on eleven carries. So he he really impressed me, and the fact that he's getting more touches now only solidifies that. He, they may go back to running back by committee more. That's definitely a possibility with Michigan, but I think he's shown that he's good enough to where you take a chance if you can. If he's there, I would put a claim on Yeah, Yeah, I think he's, he's definitely got some potential um, and, and a great matchup this week. So it could be big points there. And um, we're moving on to wide receiver. And this guy I was really high on. I, I almost got him a free agency. I missed him by like 30 minutes. Hakeem Butler from Iowa State. He's six foot six. He's really athletic and... I know you were saying that Lazard didn't have the flashy flashy side of him to make you um, think I gotta have this guy on my roster, but I think Akeem Butler has more of that, and he he's playing right alongside Lazard right now in terms of talent, who they're trying to get the ball. I really like him going forward. I would say he's gonna have to throw the ball a lot this year to stay in the game with this Big 12 team, so I think this is a really good option. I think he could be a top 20 receiver, maybe top 15 this year. Yeah, you know, I actually um, grabbed him, I think it was last week, in my Big 12 league, and someone actually called me out on it and said, you know, why are you getting their backup? And I said, you know, watch, we'll see what happens this week, and gladly, you know, he, uh, he outpaced Lazard, so I was very happy about that. So um, the one thing that did have me looking at him preseason was his coaches were actually saying that he's the most athletically gifted player on the field, um, and the reporters inquired further, you know, what about Lazard? And they said, nope. It's it's Butler. He's he's the best on the field. So if that holds true, he's going to start doing some some real damage there. I think he's got really good potential. All right, and then going up next, you know, someone who may be worth a look. He's probably not going to be someone you're going to want to pick up right away. But the fact he had nine receptions, he um, didn't turn him into major yards or touchdowns, but if you play in a PPR league that really favors receptions, Hunter Renfro did show that, you know, in a close game, which it may be again this week with Louisville, um, he is going to be the guy that um, they're going to be looking for, and they're going to look for him for those quick slants, get him wherever they possibly can. So if you are absolutely tight on wide receivers this week, take a look at Renfro. He's absolutely going to be on the free agency list. If he's not, I'll be absolutely amazed. So I wouldn't waste a waiver wire on him. He should absolutely be there at the end. Um, so you might be able to pick him up real cheap. I'm not high on Renfro personally. I wouldn't have him on my roster, but I will say this. He is, he's kind of the veteran guy on that, that roster. They have a lot of young talent. They have Deion Kane, but I think he's he's somebody that the coaches trust, and in close games, they'll be trying to f- find ways to get him to ball more because um, they know he's, he's sure-handed. He's not going to drop passes, he's going to be able to be the first down yardage and know where to go. Exactly. So yeah, he's not going to be a big playmaker, that's I, for sure. You can justify it, but I wouldn't personally claim him, but he's a safe option in some games. You know you're not going to get zero from him. That, that's the one thing. Yeah. You know, and everyone, a couple times a season, you get a player who you just pull your hair out and say, how did he not score any points for me today? I think Renfro is one of those guys that no matter what, you're going to get four to six points, which sucks, um, but it's not zero. 
And next, we have Theo Howard from UCLA. I actually dropped him from my loss draft for week one because he didn't really do anything, and it looked like that, that offense was going to be Darren Andrews and Caleb Wilson, but um, surprisingly, not so much. They went away from Caleb Wilson. They didn't get 15 receptions this week. Um, Theo Howard, he had a really good game. Darren Andrews also had a good game. Um, who knows in this offense if there's going to be a consistent um, receiver that they're going to get the ball to, or if it's going to be one week Theo Howard show where he gets ten receptions and the next week he gets two and then three and then another eight a week after that. Um, that's what will concern me. But they they're going to throw it a lot. They don't really have a strong running game, so he's at the very least worth a spot in the roster and free agency. Yep, yeah, you know, it's worth a shot, and that's if he's able to replicate this type of thing, he's going to be a really highly ranked uh, wide receiver, so keep an eye on him. Um, He's probably not going to make it to free agency list this week, so if you need a wide receiver, I would definitely put a claim in on him um, and, you know, see how he does. And then finally, we've got Austin Prohl out of UNC. We talked about him before, eight receptions, 120 yards. Uh, UNC's offense has been hit or miss. If they're able to keep hitting, he's going to be someone who's going to put up really big numbers for you. This week, great match versus Old Dominion. So it's all going to be dependent on how well their quarterbacks can get up to snuff and see what they can do. Um, but I definitely think, you know, a guy who's targeted enough to get eight receptions in a game, um, and he's done pretty well both weeks, I-, I think he's definitely worth a spot. Again, if you're looking for that um, WR3 or WR4, he's someone to be taking a look at. I don't trust the North Carolina offense. Um, to love the pick, yeah, I but their their offense this week, I think he's been going to be as good of a spot start as anybody. So for this week at least, you should definitely get him in the starting role if you need a wide receiver three. Yeah, it's it's a great matchup. So I I think he can definitely put up some numbers for you if you need a flex or something like that. Uh, like my position, um, he could be someone to look at. Who I, I guess I should be looking at him now. Put him on my watch list. And now we got some defensive starts, just in case it's week three. You might have somebody on bye or not the best of matchups. Um, my favorite matchup, personally, is uh, Virginia Tech versus ECU, because ECU is just... I can't believe how bad they look. They're just hot garbage. And, what's that? They're, they're just the definition of hot garbage right now. They're bad. Yeah, they are hot garbage. That's true. Everything about it is a dumpster fire. Um, Virginia Tech has a really good pass. They didn't get showed against Will Greer, of course, but they're really talented. And East East Carolina can't run the ball, so they have to throw it. And I don't think they're going to have any success. I think they're going to throw plenty of turnovers. Um, Virginia Tech's going to have their defense is going to have a lot of scoring opportunities. So that's my number one this week. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, maybe no, you know, I I would say no. They're not my number one. They're my number two. My number one is going to be someone who you don't have available to you. If they're already on your roster, you're not going to be able to play them. So that's why I don't have them. We didn't go over them first. That's Michigan versus Air Force. Michigan, despite returning one defensive starter, their defense has scored 30-plus points both two weeks. Um, so Air Force, that should continue. They should continue to roll. Um, if you have Michigan, I would say it's, it's a must-start 100%. I would love to have them on my roster this week. Um, I always fade option teams no matter how good the defense is. So, yes, Michigan should be great going forward. But this week, when they're playing an option team, I I would pass on it. You know, they haven't played an option team yet, so, you know, it could be interesting to see if they're able to keep up with it. Um, I I was just so impressed with what they did. I know I'm not high on Florida's offense, but to just completely um, snuff them out, have those interceptions... 
uh, I think they're going to get some defensive points there. So I, if I had them, I would absolutely be starting without no question. About my, my, I think they'll handle Air Force well enough. Like I don't think Air Force is going to have any offensive success, but I don't think there's nearly as many opportunities to turn the ball over against an option team, and that's why I fade them. Yeah, I, I'll like, give you I that. You're not going to have as many passes to intercept. That's for sure. Yeah, and the next Auburn versus Mercer. This is an obvious. After Auburn shut down Clemson, why do you think they're going to be a Mercer? My only worry is that Auburn's going to be up on them so much that they're going to put in the backups and Mercer might get some late points. But this is, you might have Auburn in free agency, and Mercer isn't going to really do too much damage. They're going to turn the ball over, and Auburn has scoring opportunities. I like a lot. Yeah, you know, and another team with that same kind of revenge looking, they had a rough game, they're going to want to come back and put a hurting on someone. Um, Notre Dame versus BC might be a pretty good start. Um, Brian Kelly might be one of my least favorite coaches. I'm not a Notre Dame fan by any means, um, but watching that game, he just made so many poor decisions. Um, so, again, Boston College, we know, does not have a good offense, and not good is, is putting that mildly. Um, so Notre Dame does you appear... Steve Adasio doesn't have a good offense? Oh, you yeah, know, it's, it's rare. It is rare. You know, he, he normally burns it down, but no, it's uh, they're rough, as we all know. So I think Notre Dame is a really easy start there, um, and they're absolutely going to be uh, available to you. Um, if you want to burn a waiver, that's on you. I never burn waivers on defense. There was always someone to take. So if they were there um, and Virginia Tech and Michigan weren't, yeah, Notre Dame's an easy option for me. And then we have uh, Duke versus Baylor. Um, I'm not sure I would pick Baylor over a high school team at this point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this this is a pretty good matchup. Duke looks good so far. Yeah, I mean, they Baylor handled Northwestern. As far away from good as you can. Yeah, Baylor is, they've handed, another interesting fact I read today, Baylor has handed two programs their very first P5 uh, FBS win ever in a row. Liberty. Yeah, what a year to be a bear. Right? How bad is that? Two teams in a row have never won a P5 game before. Um, I don't even know. It might be the first FBS game of all time. I'm not sure. Um, I think that actually is the... I think it's all FBS. So that is some of the worst things you can ever have as a team, and they're doing it. Um, so, yeah, Duke, if you have them, they handled Northwestern very effectively. Um, they're an easy start for me. Um, another easy start, we were talking about them before in terms of their offensive prowess, but USC versus Texas, uh, I don't think Texas is going to be able to get anything going versus USC. Um, you know, you looked at what was Stanford able to do, and Stanford's never great at throwing the ball recently, um, but once Love got his points in, you know, they were figuring out how to contain him. Texas doesn't have a running back 40% as good as Love, um, and we know that their passing isn't going to be anywhere near as good as USC's was. So I would not be surprised to see quite a few interceptions, maybe some defensive touchdowns. That that should be a brutal game. Um, I think this depends on Michelle's health, Um, but I would not start USC here. Um, Even if Texas isn't going to be able to run the ball, which very unlikely that they are, even though they have some pretty good backs. Their running game doesn't seem to be very hashed out. I think they'll be able to pass the ball on USC pretty effectively, and they're going to have to keep pace with USC. Um, and Texas D seems to be really good at scoring touchdowns, so and that counts against you on game tracks. That is true. You know, if you if you, they get any points, you're going to be losing some. I, in this instance, 
Um, the only thing I would say is, you know, Stanford was able to pass a little bit um, on USC, so Texas should be able to pass a bit. I just think USC's defense might be able to convert a few interceptions and force fumbles and things like that. Texas just seems really undisciplined right now. So while I do think Texas will put up some points on them, I do think there's going to be quite a few forced fumbles and, and other things like that. Some, a lot of sacks um, to get you those points back that you might lose from Texas scoring. So we're going to go up some spot starts here, quarterback, running back, receiver. Um, if you have any questions and you want to hit us up at CF Freaks, we'll we'll answer any of your questions. I know a few people sent us some um, some sit starts last week and some either wars. Um, but my favorite at running back are Ty Isaac, Terry O'Fuller, Don Williams, and Patrick Laird. You know, those are, I like those. I, I'm really high this week on Kennedy McCoy. I think, although, yes, Crawford's going to get his. I'm really, really low on Delaware State. I think they're going to sit Crawford pretty quickly. Um, and Kennedy uh, McCoy might be able to get you some decent points. If you need a, sp- a spot start in the, in the clinch, he might be able to get you something that gets you, you know, past, past what you need in your game. Yeah, our, our, our calls on backup running backs haven't been great this week or this year, so hopefully we can rebound and can be an option. <laughs> I'm hoping so. With, you know, another backup that may be able to do something for you, um, although he's technically a backup, he's scoring pretty well, Jamal Morrow versus Oregon State. I think um, Jamal Morrow, Williams, all of their running backs should be able to do whatever they want against Oregon State. Um, so I'm, I've, he's there for me. You know, I may use him in daily. He's a pretty good start, in my opinion. Yeah, and we have Darius... Um, Anderson and Trey Sermon, and I think those depend on the running back rotations, but they're playing weak defenses, so they're pretty safe bets, I think. Trey Sermon, maybe not if they bury him on the depth chart again, but I think he's earned the right to start, so I like him against Tulane. Yeah, you know, so all those guys, there's no guarantees that any of them are going off, but there's some sneaky spot starts. If you see him in free agency, you might be able to slide him in there if one of your guys gets hurt, let's say. Um, then and at wide receiver, I don't even think these are sneaky. I think these are great starts, period. DeMarcus Lodge against Cal and Hakeem Butler. Um, if you can get them on your team, I 100% start them. Yeah, I agree. You know, one weird sneaky spot start, it may actually do well. Um, it's not who you'd normally think, but Nick Easley from Iowa, he's playing North Texas, and I think North Texas is the reason why he would be a sneaky spot start. Um, Sutton put up 50 million points against me playing North Texas, so they do have the ability to give up those passing yards, um, so Iowa might be able to pass on them. So if you are really, really hurting for a spot start, he may be a good wide receiver. I love that we have an Iowa receiver here because they are the <laughs> definition of sneaky. You never hear. I was gonna say, yeah, that is sneaky in like the fullest term. So yeah, that is no one's taken him. I'll tell you that much. And uh, my quarterback Tyler Huntley, which I'm in love with, they are gonna run him 18 times a game. It seems like because he's the their only consistent runner on San Jose or San Jose State is gonna struggle against them. Um, they're gonna put up a ton of points. I'm really, I think he can have a 40 point game easily. Yeah, I would be playing him if I didn't have Will Greer. I've got Huntley and Greer on my roster right now, um, so I'm not playing Bowers, obviously. I've got Greer in, but Huntley, I, I'm glad to have him. I actually picked him up right before the BYU game uh, this week. Um, I as I can be on him. Yep, I, I'm, I'm all in. You know, and Carrington did well again, obviously. we got to get the Carrington in there on each each podcast. we got to save the name. Um, Darren Carrington, my favorite receiver. <laughs> started slow, but he ended strong. All right, and then the yeah. last sneaky uh, play for quarterbacks would be Jacob Park, Iowa State versus Akron. Um, Akron's pretty terrible. 
Um, Jacob Park had a good week, so if it you know the it keeps going the way it should, he might be able to get you 30 points, maybe more. You never know. Um, but he's if you got an injured guy, or maybe you have a Lamar Jackson playing Clemson, and you're not quite sold on him. But if you have Lamar Jackson, I know you're going to be playing him over Jacob Park anyway. Um, whoever Nick Fitzgerald, honestly, people will sit him against LSU. So if you have Nick Fitz, maybe Jacob Park's the option. There you go. There you go. So it, potential guys to slide in. Um, so that is all we got this week. If you do have any questions about spot starts, who you should be starting, who you should be sitting, hit us up on Twitter at CF Freaks, um, and we'll catch up with you guys next week. Hopefully this gets to you in time so you can put in your waiver wires and set them appropriately. And let's hope Anthony Miller finally plays. Anthony Miller, please. Talk to you guys later.